Hello, and welcome to the Tent Podcast. That is to say, Thriving in Technology. Your hosts are Sam Moulton, Petra Stefanova, and Cecilia Taylor, all members of the Influence Marketing Team here at NetApp. For this episode, we are welcoming a couple of longtime career coaches and recruiters, Kat Troyer and Liz Bronson. They launched a podcast of their own recently called Real Job Talk. And we're looking forward to hearing what made them to decide that it was time to share the wealth of knowledge that they've gathered over the years. We've listened to several of their episodes, and we can attest to the fact that they're telling it and they're keeping it real. Let's get started. Kat and Liz, welcome to the Tint Podcast. Thank you so much. We're delighted to be here. We are really excited about this. Excellent, excellent. We're so happy to have you. So Kat, you actually joined us on an earlier episode of the podcast, uh, but it was with your other better half, your <laughs> husband, John Mark Troyer. Yes. Um, for our listeners who may have missed that one, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, you're doing so many great things these days. It's really kind of hard to keep track of all of it. Boy, thank you. Um, and thanks for having us, ha- having, having us on the show. We really are excited. So I'm Kat Troyer. I, uh, many of you know me because I'm the other half of John Mark Troyer at JTroyer on Twitter. And uh, John headed up community at VMware for years and uh, started the VExpert program. And uh, about five, almost five years ago, I can't believe it's already been five years, uh, he decided that it was time to start consulting. He was getting questions, you know, how can you help me from other companies? So he launched techreckoning.com, which is a, a website and a consulting practice that focuses on influence marketing, community, and career development for tech influencers. So about five years ago, he started doing that and asked me to help him kind of keep things moving, help with the staffing and the HR pieces of that. So for the last four years or so, I've been spending about half of my time supporting Tech Reckoning and the Influence Marketing Council, which is something that we started a couple years ago, which is a peer group for people who work in influence marketing and community. And Cecilia and I are members. Yes, yes. It's been uh, delightful having you guys both in that group because I feel like I feel like we've gotten to know each other, you know, quite a bit more over that. And that's been super rewarding. And that's been my favorite piece of it, the, the relationship piece. Ditto, ditto. So prior to working with John, um, I started off out of college uh, as a recruiter and did that for several years, moved into HR, worked uh, way back in the dot-com, both boom and bust, <laughs> and uh, also did financial services. So I started my first, uh, started off on the agency side. My first uh, long-term contract was with Charles Schwab, which was a great place to kind of cut my teeth uh, doing corporate recruiting. And also I got exposed to technical recruiting there. So that positioned me really well for the dot-com era and uh, did, you know, worked in tech staffing and HR there uh, for several startup companies. And then after that kind of bust, I landed over at Barclays Global Investors, where I met my dear friend, Liz Bronson. And um, Liz and I worked together there for a while and have stayed in touch. And it's been, what, 15 years now, Liz? Yep. Crazy. And about 10 years ago, I started, uh, I, I was, I started kind of wanting to do a little bit more than HR and recruiting. So I started working on professional development and got a couple different coaching accreditations and some HR accreditations like um, 
doing 360 degree feedback and, and working more with lead, leadership development. So uh, I spend about half my time these days supporting the Tech Reckoning and IMC business and half my time with my own kind of corporate clients as well as uh, individual clients. Wow. And, and, now, and now Liz and I are working together with Real Job Talk, which is probably the highlight of my week. We do weekly recordings and we always, you know, it's always fun. And fun is important. That's an important value to me. <laughs> Liz, it's so nice to virtually meet you. I've heard many good things about you from your buddy, Pat. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I think uh, we've already established that you met, um, you met Kat at Barclays, you said, correct? Yep. Um, why are you two doing this podcast? So we have, I mean, at, we met 15 years ago, both doing recruiting. We've kind of both morphed, evolved as internal recruiters, external recruiters. I have my own recruiting consultancy where I work with a lot of startups uh, helping them start up their recruiting or augment their recruiting teams. And what I really love is helping figure out what's the right process for these different companies that's going to help them stay true to their values, help them be decisive as they move beyond hiring friends and family, and to help them staff up where they need it. But as Kat and I have talked over the years, we've both been building our career coaching businesses, and we feel like we work with so many people that don't see the world the way we do or don't see it as clearly as we do and that we wanted to share that with them and say, you know, people get stuck. And they're like, I want to look for a job. I don't know how. Well, we're like, oh, well, we know how. <laughs> and so we wanted to help people have that insight so that they had the confidence they needed to go out and make the changes that they either needed to make or didn't need to make. I think there's a big piece of it that's like, whoa, before you go external, look where you are and see what's there for you. So I, I think that it's just information sharing and wanting to help people who are stuck get unstuck or help people with questions, answer questions. And we get to chat every week and that's an awesome thing for both of us. Excellent. In the first episode of Real Job Talk, you have John setting the stage for what's to come, which I think, by the way, was really cool uh, to do. One of the things that caught our interest specifically was the role that both you played in facilitating his move to VMware, uh, a job he was both over and under qualified for. I mean, the man has a PhD. Um, why in the heavens names did he work? Did this work for uh, him? And do you have any other stories like this where you collaborated so successfully? Uh, can I take this one, Kat? I think you should because this is mostly on you. I just did some back end encouragement. <laughs> so you got to realize Kat and I sat <laughs> next to each other at BGI. And then I moved down to the Palo Alto area and was commuting up to the city. It was horrendous. So I got a job at VMware and I was doing kind of tech support commute recruiting for a bit, which was interesting. And then I had this opening for a product manager. Now I had, I knew that Kat was really wanting her at the time boyfriend to get a new job. And so I saw this job description. I'm like, John could totally do that. And so I gave it to him and he was like, I'm never going to take this job. And Kat's like, you're going for that job because you're going to get out of the house. And... <laughs> I worked with the hiring manager saying he's really smart. He can do this and can it convince him to look beyond the borders of the resume. And well, I, John was there for over nine years. So I guess it was a pretty successful hire. 
I'd say so. Uh, in fact, uh, that's how I met John was through the the V Expert program. Uh, well, I guess it was actually technically it was actually he started his consulting business because he was doing some work with NetApp, the company that we work for. Uh, and one of the things he wanted to do was learn more about the A Team, which is the program that I run. And I loved him right off the bat because he said so many wonderful things about the A Team. So you know, I'm used to like that. <laughs> So, you know, as I was listening to the ep episodes of, of your podcast, I noticed that the two of you are pretty much in lockstep on everything, really. But there were a couple of instances where I thought, oh, well, maybe Kat or you, Liz, might have handled things a bit differently, or maybe you wanted to respond to something a little bit differently. Was that my imagination, or are there areas you have agreed to disagree on so you can put up a united front? Who wants to take that one? I don't think it's that, uh, that, that strategic. I think Liz and I are pretty mm -hmm. aligned on most things. Uh, we might have different styles, but like when it comes to values and ethics and basic, basic philosophies, I think that we are very much in aligned. I think it would be hard for us to do this podcast if we weren't. Yeah, I see you nodding your head there, Liz. So you're, you're on board with that. <laughs> you're going to skip yeah. the United Front. Well, I think it must you know, be something. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably a little bit more direct and Kat's more... Kind. So you're a little bit East Coast and she's a little bit West Coast. Yes, exactly. I'm a little more East Coast, she's more West Coast. But over the years of our friendship, we obviously talk about HR stuff and recruiting stuff and issues. And we're usually pretty aligned on what the outcome of a situation should be or on how a company should handle a situation or how a company shouldn't handle a situation. So I don't, as Kat said, I don't think we could do this if we were polar opposites because this is too much of a philosophical type of thing. And if you don't like our philosophy, then we're probably not the people for you. Well, I think you have a wonderful philosophy, both of you. I love the approach that you take on the podcast. So I'm a, I'm a fan. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get into a topic that keeps uh, a lot of people, and some women in particular, up at night. Is every person in the workforce expected to be striving upwards for a promotion, or is it okay to be happy where you are? I love this question. No. Golly, no. Like, if you're happy where you are, why are you why would you don't let yourself feel the pressure to do something different? I love the individual contributor that is happy where they are. Who's the person who trains the new people in the group. Who's the mainstay that, that cornerstone of the group. They are your most valuable player, even because when you've got a group full of people who are all striving for the next job, you've got internal issues. You got all kinds of stuff. And so I think if you're happy, know yourself, if you're happy, Good on you. I couldn't have said that better myself. I mean, isn't the, isn't the goal to be happy in your career? So if you're happy, you know, goal, goal being lived. Right. All right. But here's the thing. How do, and maybe this is coming at it from a different perspective. You know, this is coming from the, I'm asking, let me see if I can get this question out. What does a manager think of that individual contributor? What does the, you know, the higher ups, how, how are they perceiving somebody who, is happy in this role and isn't looking for, you know, the bump. If I was managing, I'd be grateful. I was going to say that's, that's the kind you want, you want people like that on your team. Absolutely. Not everyone, not everyone is going to be the, the person who skyrockets themselves to the next level and then the next level. Um, but you it, want those cornerstone people on your team that have the historical 
knowledge. But as you look at, as you look at, um, especially as we go through, and and some companies still do performance review cycles, Mm -hmm. there's always these questions of how are you going to grow? Right. Um, And it always seems like that next logical step would be to move into management, uh, especially once you reach that kind of mid senior type of level. But if you don't necessarily have that desire because you've reached a point in your career or per point in your personal life where you're happy with the way things kind of are, how do you express and plan for growth that doesn't necessarily mean the promotion? Or managing people. Or managing people. Well, I think uh, think John's a really good example. At VMware, he was there for nine years and probably four or five years in, he was promoted to a director level role that was an independent independent contributor role. Uh He managed programs. He managed uh, community. you know, his, his role was vital, but he, he wasn't managing people. So I think that there's always, I mean, hopefully with most companies, there are opportunities for individual to co- contributors to grow. Mm-hmm. And if there aren't, you know, if companies don't have that philosophy, I think they're really missing out. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing worse than someone who is promoted to manager just because they were a good individual contributor and they really don't want to manage people or they have so much on their plate as an individual contributor, they don't have time to manage their people. And then they're not good manager. And then there's all kinds of repercussions for that. So I would say the, the principal level person or whatever you want to call it, as long as they have scope in what they're thinking about and the problems they're solving, that's promotion. And I want to go back to a part you talked about, you know, keeps a lot of women up at night. You know, for many people, there are certain times in life that promotion is not what they want. They want the nine to five, go home, deal with what's at home, both men and women and all kinds of people. And I would say that there's nothing wrong with that. And then there's nothing wrong with hitting the point of like, all right, the home thing is everyone's living through the night. Now I can focus a little bit more on my career. And so I would say different people, different times in their lives for whatever reason, you know, always striving for the stars may not be in the cards and that's okay. And we shouldn't, if someone's doing a good job in their job, let's celebrate that instead of beating them down because they're not going for the next job. Amen. So that was uh, actually, we covered the question I was, I was thinking about asking because that really, you know, that's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I love what I do. I love the program that I run. Um, and you're so good at it. Oh, thank you. I'll send you that check. (laughs) And yeah, I'm hoping everybody listens to this. No. Okay. Um, well, so we, I, I guess the, the thing you have to do is somehow communicate that to your, your manager in a way that is perceived that it, you know, positively, do you have any suggestions for the best way to do that? I think you will. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I think always if you're, you know, if you're talking about, you know, communicating with your manager, you know, look at that a step, a step broader and make sure that your personal goals line up with the company goals and make sure that they're meaty enough for you to be engaged and to grow. It's, you know, Liz and I talk about this and I, you know, one of the things that I like to say is that you've got to be CEO of your own career. You know, and, and the first time I said that to Liz, she pushed back with me and said, but not everyone is a CEO cat. And I'm saying, I'm not saying everyone needs to be a CEO. I mean, not all of us are CEO people. Um, there's only, you know, that's a small percentage, but we have to take our career into our own hands. And from that perspective, being the CEO of your own career, you have to be responsible for being challenged. You, you know, and, and sometimes you have to be responsible for your own professional development. 
sometimes the company is not going to provide it for you. That doesn't mean you don't, you stop growing professionally. That means that you get creative and you, you know, you start thinking outside the box and, you know, I don't know if you've Googled recently, but there is a ton of professional development opportunities out there that don't cost much. There's so much free content. So I think it's important to always be growing and learning, but you know, learning is one of my, you know, one of my key values I've learned from taking the strength finders test. So that's really important to me, but I think that continuing to grow and continuing to learn is a probably a really strong, important strategy to consider when you're looking at your career. And also a lot of companies have, education budgets. And mm-hmm. so maybe your manager isn't going to find that course for you to go to or a conference for you to go to or whatever, but maybe your manager will approve when you bring it to them. And so you, you've got to be the CEO of your career and you have to ask. Um, but it also depends on who your manager is and it depends on whether you want to learn and grow. I had a point for a few years there. I wanted to be a steady Eddie. I wanted to do my job. It was easy. I could get it done. And I had other things I was focusing on and that was okay then. And then I got really bored and just had to make a change. So I did. <laughs> okay. That's all very, very good input. So uh, at this juncture, I'd like to turn to our listening and Twitter audience because I asked if people uh, had things that they wanted to ask you during this episode, and we got lucky. So let me start with a really great question that, uh, here's the question. So you've accepted a new job that you thought would offer opportunities for growth. However, after a year, that hasn't panned out, and you have buyer's remorse and a soul-sucking commute. Your previous employer treated you really well and has said multiple times that they would love to have you have you back. You also feel that your old employer is a is better aligned with your values. Do you take the risk of looking for a new opportunity that may not pan out, or do you start exploring the options, the option of returning to your previous company? So I'll I'll, I'll start with this, Liz, and then you can follow up because we probably have um, we probably have some different things to say about this. So. I think that before, before you take any kind of a move, you need to kind of ask yourself some questions and think about where you're at and what you want and really kind of dig into what I call kind of your ideal job and, re- and put together a list of that, of the, the key components that are important to you in your ideal job. You want to do that before you even start a resume. I think um, you mentioned you talk a little bit about that in, in your very first episode, right? Yeah, I think we, we touch on it in episode one, which was, you know, John is our producer of, of Real Job Talk. So that's why he introduced us on that, on that episode. But uh, episode two, we really dive into, you know, what do you even do before you start looking? And we always encourage people to, you know, explore, explore opportunities within their current company. But clearly in this situation, we, you know, the, the person knows that the current company may not be a good fit for her. So the question is, do, you know, does she, does she go back to the, to what she knows, which is a good fit, or does she take time and explore other options as well? And I guess, you know, I would have a question around, well, what is, what is her capacity right now? How much energy does she have? Um, you know, is she, you know, is she a work or is, is this person a, a, you know, what other responsibilities are there? Are there, for example, are there kids at home? You know, what other responsibilities are, are being pulled right now with her or him? And, um, you know, it depends on the answer to that. If there's extra energy, well, sure, explore other things before you make a decision. But if, if it's, it's a matter of being exhausted from a commute and being in a, 
in a corporate culture that isn't a good fit that you're clear on. And it would be really easy to go back. Uh, you know, hopefully there would be a, an, an increase to go back, a salary adjustment, because that's always a good opportunity when you make a move to get one of those. But mm-hmm. I think it really depends on the individual circumstances. I actually but- did that once in my career and was never quite sure. I mean, it worked out very well for me, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure how that would be perceived by somebody who was taking a look at my resume. I mean, do you have any, any thoughts on that? Like as Bouncing recruiters, back. yeah, as recruiters, if you look at a resume of someone who, you know, was at a company, left to go to another company, then goes back to the other company. What, what perception do you have of that person? Well, first of all, I say they must have done well or else the company wouldn't have hired them back. So okay. Okay. that, to me, that gives me some indicator that this is a good performer, at least at that company and in those roles. Um, and then sometimes, you know, sometimes the grass is greener, right? So I would say kind of look back I would say to this this question writer, look back on why you left in the beginning. What look back to that list that we talk about in episode two of what are your must-haves, nice to haves, it'd be great ifs. And what wasn't being met before that made you look and think that the grass was greener here? Um, and then I would say, you know, look outside or not. I kind of like the idea of this person going back, you know, and the story behind that when you're telling your story in the future is I left. I thought I wanted X, Y, and Z. I realized when I was there, I didn't. And I went back because of A, B, and C. And so it's a really easy description. And sometimes it's about compensation. You're not being fairly compensated. And when they miss you, all of a sudden the money appears. But sometimes it's about so many other different things. And that's why that list of what's most important to you is so critical when you're evaluating a job situation. Excellent. Excellent. I think she's going to be pleased with with this advice. All right. Next question. What's the best advice for future-proofing a career in tech? Don't get stale. Continuous learning. Okay. Well, but when you think about you know, the environment we're in today where layoffs happen, um, you know, we have very little control over it. Sometimes it's just a matter of transforming um, an area within the company and your skill set isn't working. Is there anything that you can do when, while you're in this job at this at your current company to make sure that you stay relevant, that you're not going to end up on that, that list? I would say networking. I mean, if you think about when companies have layoffs, usually it's in a certain area. And if I'm somebody in in one area and I know people in five other areas. And so usually, not always, companies don't have full company shutdowns of hires. Mm -hmm. And so if I've networked myself and I know people all around the company, sometimes I can get someone, another group to hire me. But if I'm only known by five people in my entire company, nobody knows how good or not good I am because I've stayed in my cubicle. And so I would say more people you know throughout the company, it can't, you know, save you necessarily, but it sure will help you get another internal role if there's one available. How do you extend yourself? so that you do get to be known by other people that aren't just in your immediate work group. So how do you make those networking connections? Be around, be commenting, you know, there's slacks, there's different groups, there's different interest groups. There's, if you're in the office, there are always opportunities for coffees or lunches or meetups or go, go to the brown bags, Mm. go to the networking after work things you know, ask to be put on a project that is outside of just your little group, if you can be. Kat? I, you know, I, I would second the, you know, my thought was relationships when you said networking. So I think that, you know, don't burn bridges and, and really like invest in the relationships. If you sincerely invest in relationships and 
offer help. You know, in technology, there's so much uh, community that gives you opportunity to give back. So share what you know. Help someone who may be more junior in your career Mm -hmm. and really put real energy into those relationships and be kind and don't burn bridges. And that's going to help you whether or not you find a job within the company that you're at, or if you end up doing an external search. Yeah. Organize something if it's not there. You know, we're all uh, sitting on this podcast. We're all women in tech. So what if you organize a women at my company group or, I mean, skin the cat 75 different ways or people at our company that want to learn about cloud computing, whatever it is. So make things happen. Yeah. And that'll just show that you, you know, one of the byproducts of that will be that, oh, this person has initiative. Look what she did. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate at NetApp that we have a really solid uh, women in technology organization, and Cecilia and I are both involved in that. And in fact, you know, we, we like to think that this podcast supports that effort, and it does give us an opportunity to meet people we wouldn't meet otherwise, which is you know, something that we both really enjoy, because neither one of us are extroverted per se, um, you know, we, we can, we can ramp up for, for the job that we do. Right. But, you know, if we, if, if we had a choice, uh, we just stay home and, you know, shut the door and, you know, be perfectly happy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, this is sort of a very comfortable way to, you know, to network, um, to build those relationships. So yeah, I, I, I think that that is, um, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. That's a great, that's great advice. I have to say, even just doing this podcast has allowed me to step past just the group that I work with and to reach out to people that I would not even have ever met. Uh, so I'm very happy that we uh, took on this project and I'm really excited to uh, see where it leads and to not necessarily because I'm trying to change careers, but because of the fact it does help my own development. You learn, you learn without taking a class, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just learning about things that are happening in different parts of your own company, which can only make you more informed and can only broaden how you look at your own work in relation to the bigger picture. So we have one more question and it is, what's the best way to address questions about the bumps in the road uh, that may show up on your resume? We talk about this in episode two and episode three, I believe. And before you go on any interview, you want to have you want to have your story down pat, and so Liz and I, when we say have your story, we're not saying construct a story. Make, make yeah, not, don't make something yeah, up. Don't yeah, don't make something up. But you, there's a way to share the facts in a way that that is supportive, and there's a way to share the facts that in a way that is not supportive. You obviously want to put some real thought and be very clear about your story before you go into your interview. That's part of the prepping. Yeah, and by the way, the story that you'll remember is the truth. So you need mm-hmm. to be telling the truth. But also, um, also, this is where a career coach can really come in handy before you interview or someone that's knowledgeable because they will help you to tell your story in an authentic way that doesn't make people run. Um, but things happen. And you know what? Sometimes you get, you have a bump because of a mistake you made. Own so there's it, a way right? to answer that question and own it and say what you learn from it. If you just, if you don't own it, then you've got issues. But if you own it in a way that 
yeah, five years ago, I totally screwed up and it was, this is what I did and this is what happened. And this, yeah. and this is what I would never do again. And I wish I could go back in time, but I don't have a time machine. And I love that person yep. that learns from their mistake and moves on and grows. Perfect. Are there things you should not include in your story? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Give us, give us some ideas of what those are. So if you have a boss that's impossible to work for, you don't say that. Okay. If you've okay. got a coworker that is a conniving jerk, you don't say that. Okay. Um, you also don't, you don't say, you know, you don't talk about yourself all the time if there's a group effort, right? So you don't want to be all about me, me, me. And Liz, I'm sure you have a number of things you could share as well. I, I'm going back to thinking I did an investigation as an HR person once of people that were looking at inappropriate things on their um, on, online at work and uh, creating a hostile environment. And so they went away and I would try to help them recraft that story to be a little more vague and a little less telling what they did because that was a really idiotic thing to do. Don't do that at work. And so I wouldn't be forthright with, you know, I created a hostile environment and so I got <laughs> fired. That's probably not going to help you go farther. I, yeah, I wouldn't You're owning it. It, it. It's just too dumb. So something like that, which does happen, figure out a way to say it without saying it. Okay. That would be a challenging, a mm -hmm. challenging one, I'm sure. But maybe there's something else that happened in addition to that or some other reason that, you know, uh, you can leverage instead of coming clean with that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to add to any of the things we've talked about so far? I don't think so. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting us. It was a pleasure having you. We do appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us on this podcast. Uh, hope, we hope to hear more from you in the future, and we certainly hope that we can ask you some more questions probably down the road. I think one of the things that I heard uh, in one of the episodes was you talked about the fact that, you know, when you're in a recruiter's position, you can't always give feedback. Mm -hmm. And so getting feedback is difficult because a lot of people need the feedback that you, for whatever reason, maybe even legality, can't provide. Uh, and so going with a career coach can help say, okay, well, why didn't this make sense? This keeps happening. Can you help me figure out, you know, where I'm, I'm going uh, and why things aren't working out quite the way I'd like them to? I'd certainly encourage anyone who's listening out there on this podcast to give a listen to their podcast. And uh, we want to definitely take this time to thank you for being our listeners. And we know there are a bunch of podcasts you, out there you could be listening to, and we've already given you a another one. Mm -hmm. uh, but we would love to also hear your feedback. So what works? What doesn't? What would you like to hear about from us in our next episode? We encourage you to email us at ng.tentpodcast at netapp.com with your comments and questions. Until next time. Mm -hmm.